We are watching the unipolar order crumbling before our eyes. Uh, the U.S. could be on the verge of civil war with the impending arrest of Donald Trump. Europe is facing an energy crisis, the, the banking crisis, while President Xi Jinping of China just landed in Moscow just a few hours ago uh, to solidify this massive new partnership that really could change everything, really could undermine the unipolar order. And that's really what they're already talking about, is the idea that, no, we need a multipolar order. We need to have this relationship um, that is just beyond the West controlling everything. And I think what we're about to see in Russia could alter the course of human history for the next 100 to perhaps 200 years. I know, I mean, that's a bold prediction, but that is exactly how it's shaping up right now. President Biden, started off his presidency with a with a big goal, right? That big goal was to drive a giant wedge salad in between Russia and China. Instead, he's actually done the opposite. He's managed to do the unthinkable in many ways, which is really solidify this partnership. You know, Russia was operating on its own. They had they had an agreement since two thousand early two thousand, which was which was great and it came together this Asia this Asia Russia pact. That was great. But Biden has actually brought them together in a way that we haven't seen before. Um, he's actually done the opposite. By of, giving them a common enemy, which is the expansion of NATO. Right. Um, and also providing the world with a really clear decision between hegemony based on military might and hegemony based on financial might. Yeah. Um, and so now the world that is caught in the crosshairs is going to decide uh, do we sort of follow the market-based order of Russia and China, or do we continue to follow the military order of the United States? Well, well yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and also think of like what the, the best recruiting tool, like the fact that we do the things that we do that has been a recruiting tool for all of these other countries with their organizations and stuff just to fight what we do around the world. So the BRICS nations are going to be like, yeah, we're on board, like whatever you're going to do. Yeah. 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 And you're seeing this video already. I mean, China and Russia, I mean, you're already seeing like Xi Jinping walking around getting a tour, right? They're all like shaking hands and, and they're going to meet tomorrow, um, more deeply about this. But right now, the relationships between China and Russia are the best we've ever seen. Just to give you an example of the love fest, Putin wrote an article on Sunday praising the relationship with China and Xi Jinping. That article was published in China's main newspaper. And she then wrote an equally effusive piece about Putin that was published in Russian newspapers. Just think about that for a second. Both articles talk about how much they like working with one another, how relations between the two countries are the best that they've ever been. Just for a minute, could you imagine, just imagine the king of Saudi Arabia, right, writing a love letter like that before Biden visits Riyadh. Could you imagine that happening? Uh, no, I but I can imagine it if we're going to make love buddies. Um, Trudeau and Biden would do that for each other. I don't even, well, perhaps, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, mean, I guess, yeah, that makes more sense. Perhaps. Um, I don't know, but I even think they wouldn't even really do this back and forth, um, like write a letter like this. Rishi Sunak, you saw him, uh, you know, doing a, a conference call with Justin Trudeau. Those two are, maybe those two. are besties. Maybe Zelensky. Maybe Zelensky and President Biden well, would do that. Well, we saw that in advance of Zelensky's uh, speeches to Congress. But they both write a letter that gets published in the opposing country's newspapers, like effusive, like we're really excited. This is the we best our relationship other. has ever been. <laughs> like, okay. I, mean, I just can't picture that. It's unbelievable. Also worth noting that both articles written by both men talk about Ukraine. And they talk about how they're both open to peace there. 
Xi, in his, said he sees a path to peace, and Putin says he's been pushing for peace. Imagine how pissed the U.S. would be if China actually manages to negotiate a peace agreement between Ukraine and Russia. Imagine. Which is something the United States absolutely could do, but refuses oh, to. Oh, they're the one. Yeah, they absolutely could. They could have not started this war to begin with, the United States, and provoking Russia into this. This would piss the hell out of NATO, though, if China does this and manages to broker a peace agreement with Ukraine. But, of course, the United States and NATO doesn't want that because they want to use Ukraine as a proxy for years to come, for many, many decades to come. Even John Kirby this weekend, National Security Advisor to President Biden, said, we're not open to any kind of ceasefire in Ukraine. We're not open to it. We we all want every Ukrainian to be dead before we start talking about peace. That's basically what he said. Watch. Hey, uh, that if coming out of this meeting, there's some sort of call for a ceasefire. Well, that's just going to be unacceptable because all that's going to do, Mike, is ratify Russia's conquest to date. All that's going to do is give Mr. Putin more time to refit, retrain, reman, uh, and try to, uh, to, to plan for, for renewed off- offensives at a time of his choosing. Uh, we hope, and we've said this before, that, Mr., that President Xi will call and talk to President Zelensky because we believe the Chinese need to get the Ukrainian perspective here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I mean, President uh, Putin did actually visit Crimea, and he visited the Donbass over the weekend. And the Western press continues to tell you that these are seized areas, um, forgetting the fact that there was a referendum vote, and those people did, in fact, vote to become a part of Russia. Um, But, you know, the, the line here is we can't just let them keep them. We must fight until those places become reintegrated into Ukraine when there's no military mission in order to do that. You're absolutely right. Cause I mean, it was hilarious to read the press headlines. So president Putin went to Mariupol, which was destroyed. And then Russia came in and by the way, largely destroyed by Ukrainian shelling of this area, Russia came in and basically rebuilt it. And in fact, now just built, um, I think it was an opera house or something, but they, all the apartment complexes, like allowing people to move back into these apartment complexes, they rebuilt the infrastructure Mm -hmm. there. Um, you know, it's not ideal, right? That they had their homes destroyed, but of course this is, this was the, the move by Russia to come in and solidify this area. But the Western media coverage is Putin visits occupied Mariupol. It's it's occupied. No, those people voted to become part of Russia. Who cares what they want? (laughs) Who cares? Who destroyed the apartments and houses? Exactly. That's important. Right. Ukraine did. Yeah. Right. So and, and and they've been doing that for years. I mean, there's been a genocide unfolding in this area for the last nine years. But forget about that. Uh, actually, those people, you know, you like that. You like being bombed. You upon, like being bombed. And you don't know what's best for you when you go to the polls. So even Putin uh, addressed that this weekend in Mariupol. He was interviewed by a reporter and the reporter asked him, you know, like, why didn't you? It was a pretty good question. He's like, why why didn't you uh, start the special military operation in 2014 after after the west basically kept continuing to bomb the donbass and he's like we were actually led by the nose on this he's like we were basically fooled by them we thought that they they would end these attacks um and we didn't want to have to do this uh but we thought that they would adhere to the minsk agreements and we kept giving them an opportunity to do so they didn't and in the end this is what we had to do we yeah he's like we should have done this earlier yeah so it's kind of a crazy admission, but he's like, we were led by the nose on this. Uh, we were lied to, basically. Here's how the Wall Street Journal paints it. Uh, American press coverage of this is also pretty hilarious. U.S. seeks to head off any Chinese call for ceasefire in Ukraine, reads the Wall Street Journal. Now, what just, is that image trying to tell us here? Like, we want that to continue. 
Right. So this poor old woman who, whatever situation is going on here, U.S. seeks to head off any Chinese call for a ceasefire. She's got to keep living that way. I'm shocked they don't have a little red arrow pointing that fire saying Russia did this. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It is amazing. But I just want to read. Let me read a paragraph or two from this this Wall Street Journal piece. I'm quoting now the preemptive criticism of a possible ceasefire proposal is a broadening of a Biden administration effort to use public statements and disclosures to try to narrow Beijing's room for maneuver with Moscow, including by projecting itself as a mediator according to former officials and foreign affairs analysts. But here's my favorite paragraph. In recent weeks, U.S. officials citing intelligence have publicly warned that Beijing is considering providing lethal weapons and capabilities to Russia, going beyond trade in goods like drones and jet parts that have both civilian and military uses. Mr. Kirby reiterated that concern, though he said the U.S. has no evidence China has done so. No evidence, you say. That's so damning. So we, we're saying that China is providing weapons to Russia ahead of the ceasefire talk, and yet we have no evidence that they're doing that. So why print it? Like, why print this in an American newspaper? Well, we've seen John Kirby say before, what's your evidence for that? And he's literally said, I'm saying it out loud. That's what the evidence is. That was about the disinformation campaign that he said Russia was about to launch. Right. Uh, we saw that when an AP reporter pushed back on him just last year. And they said, what's your evidence? And he's like, me saying it. Uh, so that counts in this day and age. Yeah, me saying it. That's our evidence. Oh, I'm gonna. I'm just a stenographer, like I wasn't. You know, like all the reporters were during the Obama years. Oh, what, what, whatever you say, I'll just write it down and print it in a newspaper. Yeah, that's propaganda. And what we try to do is cut through the propaganda here on this show. So, what about this summit? It's a very important summit. Xi Jinping and Putin are going to sign at least twelve incredibly important documents, which we won't know the full details of for a few days. They're there doing this for like three days that they need to be negotiated. So the meeting notes we've hearing, it's going to be all about negotiation, negotiation, negotiation. That's what they said three times, negotiation. They're going to negotiate new energy policy, oil, natural gas agreements, uh, manufacturing and trade. And those meetings will take place, the bulk of them will take place on Tuesday, so tomorrow. Um, Three days of intense meetings to iron out the new world order, essentially. Uh, a few headlines to show you now about how the power dynamic is already shifting from a U.S. dollar back-end world reserve currency to a new BRICS-centric currency. Yeah, this over the past few days, China oil. China in, to import record amounts of Russian oil in defiance of U.S.-led sanctions. So China's just ramping up its oil imports. Uh, here's another one. This weekend when Western banks were collapsing, you know, UBS buying uh, Credit Suisse, Putin issued a statement. Russia has survived the loss of these Western bank markets. Western Europeans are now grappling with problems they had predicted for Russia, according to the president. The Russian economy is developing in a new way with GDP expected to grow in as the second quarter of this year, Putin said on Thursday. Okay. So while the West is dealing with all of the craziness of fake money and money printing, according to them, they say their GDP will continue to grow, I guess, but we'll have to rely on Russian numbers. Putin's saying that, so maybe we won't know, but okay, that's that's what he's saying. But think about who's watching for this. The United States is watching in kind of a jealous way, but there are other countries, other nations whose economies have suffered, for instance, Argentina, who are saying if they can do this, if they can solidify a new hegemonic currency, 
we're in. Argentina has already said that they would like to join BRICS nation. Uh, think about Mexico. Um, with the suffering economy. Think about all... Um, well, Mexico announced a week ago that they're ready to go to BRICS. Yes. So. Um, there was a, an African nation that... I'm sorry, it eludes me at this point. So there, there's a lot of... There are many countries that are resource-rich that are ready and are watching. So it's not just we're covering this because we are American citizens um, from the eye of, like, what's this going to do to this central of power? Uh, but think about the onlookers who are now, they have a currency that's based on the U.S. dollar that they want to change. Well, Algeria, you mentioned African. There's a bunch of African nations, actually, that are ready to go. Yes. And Putin has said... Somalia, we, I believe, was one of them. We welcome them. Algeria, Somalia, um, uh, Sudan, a, Namibia. We, we talked about last week. There's a number of African nations right now well, that are ready to go. This is the, the old bully on the playground story coming to fruition because it's like, all these other countries have been so scared to stand up to the bully, which is the United States. And finally, there's a there's someone that's going to punch us in the nose and mm -hmm. knock us down a few pegs. And once these countries see that that's possible, they're going to get in line with them because it right. makes more sense to be aligned with them. They're not going to maybe, maybe they will eventually, but they're not sanctioning them. They're not going and overthrowing their governments. All the stuff we do. Yeah, yeah it's like, you know, Marty, it's like uh, George McFly finally punching Biff in the face. You know, exactly. Like, Get your damn hands off of her. Right. You know, it's like her, and it changes finally, history. Finally. It is our density. <laughs> so Russia and China. Um, and here's another one here. I'll just keep. There's two more headlines. I want to show you Russia and China trade on pace to hit two hundred billion dollars this year. Economic cooperation between the two nations has strengthening amid outside pressure. Two hundred billion dollars, a new record. And this here's China dumping American debt. You, according to U.S. Treasury data, so this is from the U.S. Treasury last week, and uh, they released this on uh, on Wednesday of last week. The figures show that China has been dumping U.S. Treasuries because, well, guess what happens? If the United States uh, freezes assets, then those U.S. Treasuries they bought are frozen. So the U China's like, well, these things are starting to become worthless anyway, so why don't we dump them? And they've been doing that in a huge – this is the biggest dumping yet – of of U.S. Treasuries, uh, moving away from that towards their own to their own BRICS currency backing, um, pretty pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. So we'll keep our eye on this summit uh, again over the next few days. We just had word just a few minutes ago, actually, that they issued like a joint statement saying that the United States is the common threat to both Russia and China's sovereignty. Right, and we're going to hear the words a lot: NATO aggression. Right. Uh, that they, how are they considering moving against NATO aggression? And again, it's not just this centralized area, but it's all member of countries in South America, in Central America that want the same, that just want to, to be sovereign, um, and not controlled by, by NATO, uh, goals. And their message, of course, coming out of the summit is multipolar, right? That every country should have the right to their own sovereignty, right? Not this unipolar, globalist, world economic forum backed, United States backed, unipolar order, um, with, you know, one currency, the central bank digital currency. And, uh, yeah, so we'll keep our eye on what comes out of this. Watch also how the Western media is covering this over the next 24 to 48 hours. Will you get any sort of fair coverage about it at all? Uh, we've kind of outlined a few pieces of propaganda already that you're hearing about it, but we're going to cover it fairly. I mean, we're, you know, we're going to cover you, cover exactly what comes out of this meeting and not put any propagandic spin on it here on this show. Sure. Well, they're probably going to be pretty good negotiations because it looks like it's starting off with a shot of vodka. 
I don't know if you saw that. Vodka. You know. Did you? Yeah. Did you hear what was it? One of the football players for Russia was saying that like he he was what do you call the black spider or something like that? Uh, he plays every game before every game. He takes a shot of vodka. Ooh. He's like it loosens up my muscles. It loosens up my muscles. I don't know about it that. It must loosen up their negotiation muscles. <laughs> I mean, it makes you so much slower. Yeah. Like, I don't understand how that could work. Did, did you see? But if the... Russians have it for breakfast, I'm sure they're like used to it. You know, it's like. I don't think it works like that. I don't know. Did I see what? Uh, never mind. We'll talk okay. about vodka another time. Thank you so much for watching this segment here at Redacted. We are live every day at 4 p.m. Eastern time trying to share the stories that the mainstream media will not cover. You should also come over and join our community of Redacted Rebels over at redacted.inc. That's our private locals community where we can share exclusive content that we simply cannot share here on YouTube. Come over and join the rebellion together right now by going to redacted.inc. We'll see you next time.